Is ambition a sin? Is it wrong to be ambitious? I think today most would say, well, no, because, you know, we think an ambitious person is a go-getter. Someone who sets these goals and then is determined to achieve them. But there is a different kind of ambition, one that St. James calls selfish ambition, and, and this certainly can be sinful. The sin of ambition, selfish ambition, is an inordinate love of honor and recognition. Right? A person is ambitious when he begins to desire honor above all else, or recognition, fame above all else. He'd rather appear to the world to be good than, rather, uh, than to actually be good. And one of the side effects of this sin of ambition is that we begin to look at others merely as competitors, um, competing for the honor and recognition that we so badly want. We see others only as competitors to be dominated and dealt with. Frankly, we see that this sin of selfish ambition in the apostles in our gospel today. A debate has erupted among them about who is the greatest. They so badly want the honor and recognition associated with being the greatest apostle that they, at least for the moment, cease to look upon the others as their brother apostles, as fellow co-workers in the Lord's vineyard, but instead as opponents who are competing for this title of the greatest of apostles. But you know what I find really interesting about this gospel passage is Jesus' response. He does not harshly rebuke him, rebuke them for their arrogance, their ego, their jealousy and selfish ambition. He doesn't crush their desire for greatness, but rather he redirects it by teaching them, redirects it and purifies how they understand greatness. He says, if anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. In God's eyes, greatness is not measured by the measure of this world. The example of greatness par excellence is seen in the cross of Christ, who, out of this tremendous love and obedience for God the Father, out of this love for us, though we were sinners, laid down his life for us. Jesus, he's not quashing their desire for greatness because we're made for greatness. He's purifying it. He's saying they should strive um, after greatness, but not in an ambitious way. Rather, they should strive after greatness in a magnanimous way. Magnanimity, it's a big word. It just means greatness of soul. A magnanimity is a virtue, a good habit, which enables us to desire and strive after strive to reach the greatness God has created us for. And what is that greatness? Well, I often talk about how we all baptized are called to be saints, and that's true. The word saint comes from the Latin word sanctus, which means holy. And God alone is all holy. 
And so to be a saint is to be like God, uh, to be divinized. That's the great calling. We are all, uh, every Christian is destined for, to be like God in heaven for all the ages. And the magnanimous man or woman knows this and seeks it, seeks this greatness God has called us for, recognizing it will be difficult, recognizing it will be hard, but striving after it nonetheless. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of this story about Pope Benedict XVI in 2005, right after he was elected pope. And he uh, greeted a group of German pilgrims in Rome and talked to them a little bit about the conclave. And he said when he realized he would probably be elected the next pope, he felt a sense of dread and dismay. Even stronger than that, he said, it felt like a guillotine was falling on my head. Why? Well, at this point, he was 78 years old. He thought he had done his life's work, and he was looking forward to going back to Bavaria, living a quiet life of prayer and study. And so he begged the Lord in prayer, saying, don't do this to me. You have younger kids better candidates who have more energy than I and could take up this great task uh, with a different strength and a different energy than I have. And of course, when he was elected, he could have refused if he wanted to. But he didn't. He didn't. What changed his mind or what encouraged him to accept was a note from a brother cardinal who reminded him that following the Lord, it always costs us. And in pleaded with him to accept if he was elected. And so he realized as he was reading this note, it dawned on him that the ways of God are not comfortable. But we are not made for comfort. We're made for greatness. And so he accepted. He trusted in God and said, yes, not my will be done, but yours. And in so doing, he gives us this example of magnanimity. He's not pursuing the papacy because he wants the honors of that office. He was well aware how much a cross the office of Pope truly is. But he didn't shy away from the great office God was calling him to take up, even though it would be difficult, even though it would entail the cross. He was willing to say, thy will be done. We are not made for comfort but greatness Now, I think it's safe to say that God's not going to call anyone in this room to be Pope, but he is calling us all to be saints, to be holy, to be like him for all the ages. And we need this virtue of magnanimity to strive after that greatness, even in the face of great difficulty. And this starts starts with our relationship with with the Lord in prayer. This starts with striving after greatness in prayer, striving to, to, to pray with all our heart and soul, to daily converse with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to speak to him from our hearts and to listen to him. And it's from this deep prayer life that he will inspire us to lay down our life for him, just as he laid down his life for us. So let us pray for magnanimity so that we might boldly seek to become the great saints he has created us to be.